You're listening to Morning Short, the podcast that brings you one great short story every morning. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any podcast app you prefer. Today's story is The Story of Quiche by Jack London. Before we begin, we want to thank Strikingly.com for sponsoring today's story. We built Morning Short's website on Strikingly, and since then, we've become huge fans. It's just so easy to use. You can launch your free website at strikingly.com and use the code MORNINGSHORT to get an exclusive discount when you upgrade. And now to the story. Quiche lived long ago on the rim of the polar sea, was headman of his village through many and prosperous years, and died full of honors with his name on the lips of men. So long ago did he live that only the old men remember his name, his name and the tale, which they got from the old men before them, and which the old men to come will tell to their children and their children's children down to the end of time. And the winter darkness, when the north gales make their long sweep across the ice pack, and the air is filled with flying white, and no man may venture forth, is the chosen time for the telling of how Kish, from the poorest igloo in the village, rose to power and place over them all. He was a bright boy, so the tale runs, healthy and strong, and he had seen thirteen sons in their way of reckoning time. For each winter the sun leaves the land in darkness, and the next year a new sun returns so that they may be warm again and look upon one another's faces. The father of Kish had been a very brave man, but he had met his death in a time of famine when he sought to save the lives of his people by taking the life of a great polar bear. In his eagerness he came to close grapples with the bear, and his bones were crushed. But the bear had much meat on him, and the people were saved. Kish was his only son, and after that Kish lived alone with his mother. But the people are prone to forget, and they forgot the deed of his father, and he being but a boy, and his mother only a woman, they too were swiftly forgotten, and ere long came to live in the meanest of all the igloos. It was at a council one night, in the big igloo of Klashkwan, the chief, that Kish showed the blood that ran in his veins and the manhood that stiffened his back. With the dignity of an elder, he rose to his feet and waited for silence amid the babble of voices. It is true that meat be apportioned me and mine, he said, but it is oft times old and tough, this meat, and moreover it has an unusual quantity of bones. The hunters, grizzled and gray, and lusty and young, were aghast. The like had never been known before. A child that talked like a grown man and said harsh things to their very faces? But steadily and with seriousness, Kish went on. For that I know my father, Bach, was a great hunter. I speak these words. It is said that Bach brought home more meat than any of the two best hunters and that with his own hands he attended to the division of it, that with his own eyes he saw to it that the least old woman and the least old man received fair share. Na, na, the men cried. Put the child out. Send him off to bed. He is no man that he should talk to men and greybeards. He waited calmly till the uproar died down. 
Thou hast a wife, a gluck, he said, and for her dost thou speak. And thou too, Masak, a mother also, and for them dost thou speak. My mother has no one save me, wherefore I speak. As I say, though Bok be dead because he hunted over keenly, it is just that I, who am his son, and that Ikiga, who is my mother and was his wife, should have meat in plenty, so long as there be meat in plenty in the tribe. I, Kish, the son of Bok, have spoken. He sat down, his ears keenly alert to the flood of protest and indignation his words had created. That a boy should speak in council, old Ugluck was mumbling. Shall the babes in arms tell us men the things we shall do? Masak demanded in a loud voice. Am I a man that I should be made a mock by every child that cries for meat? The anger boiled a white heat. They ordered him to bed, threatened that he should have no meat at all, and promised him sore beatings for his presumption. Kish's eyes began to flash, and the blood to pound darkly under his skin. In the midst of the abuse, he sprang to his feet. Hear me, ye men, he cried. Never shall I speak in the council again. Never again till the men come to me and say, It is well, Kish, that thou shouldst speak. It is well, and it is our wish. Take this now, ye men, for my last word. Bok, my father, was a great hunter. I, too, his son, shall go and hunt the meat that I eat. And be it known now that the division of that which I kill shall be fair, and no widow nor weak one shall cry in the night because there is no meat, when the strong men are groaning in great pain, for they have eaten overmuch. And in the days to come there shall be shame upon the strong men who have eaten overmuch. I, Kish, have said it. Jeers and scornful laughter followed him out of the igloo, but his jaw was set, and he went his way, looking neither to right nor left. The next day he went forth along the shoreline, where the ice and the land met together. Those who saw him go noted that he carried his bow, with a goodly supply of bone-barbed arrows, and that across his shoulder was his father's big hunting spear. And there was much laughter, and much talk at the event. It was an unprecedented occurrence. Never did boys of his tender age go forth to hunt, much less to hunt alone. Also there were shaking of heads and prophetic mutterings, and the women looked pityingly at Ikiga, and her face was grave and sad. He will be back ere long, they said cheeringly. Let him go, it will teach him a lesson, the hunter said. And he will come back shortly, and he will be meek and soft of speech in the days to follow. But a day passed, and a second and on the third a wild gale blew, and there was no quiche. Aikiga tore her hair and put soot of the seal oil on her face in token of her grief, and the women assailed the men with bitter words in that they had mistreated the boy and sent him to his death, and the men made no answer, preparing to go in search of the body when the storm abated. Early next morning, however, Kish strode into the village, but he came not shamefacedly. Across his shoulders he bore a burden of fresh-killed meat, and there was importance in his step and arrogance in his speech. Go ye men with the dogs and sledges, and take my trail for the better part of a day's travel, he said. There is much meat on the ice, a she-bear and two half-grown cubs. Akika was overcome with joy, but he received her demonstrations in manlike fashion. 
saying, Come, Aikiga, let us eat, and after that I shall sleep, for I am weary. And he passed into their igloo and ate profoundly, and after that slept for twenty running hours. There was much doubt at first, much doubt and discussion. The killing of a polar bear is very dangerous, but thrice dangerous is it, and three times thrice to kill a mother bear with cubs. The men could not bring themselves to believe that the boy, Kish, single-handed, had accomplished so great a marvel. But the women spoke of the fresh-killed meat he had brought on his back, and this was an overwhelming argument against their unbelief. So they finally departed, grumbling greatly that, in all probability, if the thing were so, he had neglected to cut up the carcasses. Now in the north it is very necessary that this should be done as soon as a kill is made. If not, the meat freezes so solidly as to turn the edge of the sharpest knife, and a three-hundred-pound bear, frozen stiff, is no easy thing to put upon a sled and haul over the rough ice. But arrived at the spot, they found not only the kill, which they had doubted, but that Quiche had quartered the beasts in true hunter fashion and removed the entrails. Thus began the mystery of Quiche, a mystery that deepened and deepened with the passing of the days. His very next trip he killed a young bear, nearly full-grown, and on the trip following, a large male bear and his mate. He was ordinarily gone from three to four days, though it was nothing unusual for him to stay away a week at a time on the ice field. Always he declined company on these expeditions, and the people marveled. How does he do it? they demanded of one another. Never does he take a dog with him, and dogs are of such great help, too. Why dost thou hunt only bear? Klosh Kwan once ventured to ask him. And Kish made fitting answer. It is well known that there is more meat on the bear, he said. But there was also talk of witchcraft in the village. He hunts with evil spirits, some of the people contended. Wherefore his hunting is rewarded. How else can it be, save that he hunts with evil spirits? Mayhap they be not evil, but good, these spirits, others said. It is known his father was a mighty hunter. May not his father hunt with him, so that he may attain excellence and patience and understanding? Who knows? Nonetheless, his success continued, and the less skillful hunters were often kept busy hauling in his meat, and in the division of it he was just. As his father had done before him, he saw to it that the least old woman and the last old man received a fair portion, keeping no more for himself than his needs required. And because of this, and of his merit as a hunter, he was looked upon with respect and even awe, and there was talk of making him chief after old Klashkwan. Because of the things he had done, they looked for him to appear again in the council. But he never came, and they were ashamed to ask. I am mindful to build me an igloo, he said one day to Klashkwan and a number of the hunters. It shall be a large igloo, wherein Aikiga and I can dwell in comfort. Aye, they nodded gravely. But I have no time. My business is hunting, and it takes all my time. So it is but just that the men and women of the village who eat my meat should build me my igloo. And the igloo was built accordingly, on a generous scale, which exceeded even the dwelling of Klashkwan. Kish and his mother moved into it, 
and it was the first prosperity she had enjoyed since the death of Bach. Nor was material prosperity alone hers, for because of her wonderful son and the position he had given her, she came to be looked upon as the first woman in all the village, and the women were given to visiting her, to asking her advice, and to quoting her wisdom when arguments arose among themselves or with the men. But it was the mystery of Kish's marvelous hunting that took chief place in all their minds. And one day, Ugluck taxed him with witchcraft to his face. It is charged, Ugluck said ominously, that thou dealest with evil spirits, wherefore thy hunting is rewarded. Is not the meat good? Kish made answer. Has one in the village yet to fall sick from the eating of it? How dost thou know that witchcraft be concerned? Or dost thou guess in the dark merely because of the envy that consumes thee? And Ugluck withdrew, discomfited, the women laughing at him as he walked away. But in the council one night, after long deliberation, it was determined to put spies on his track when he went forth to hunt, so that his methods might be learned. So on his next trip, Bim and Bon, two young men, and of hunters the craftiest, followed after him, taking care not to be seen. After five days they returned, their eyes bulging and their tongues a-tremble to tell what they had seen. The council was hastily called in Klashquan's dwelling, and Bim took up the tale. Brothers, as commanded, we journeyed on the trail of Kish, and cunningly we journeyed, so that he might not know. And midway of the first day he picked up with a great he-bear. It was a very great bear. None greater, Bon corroborated, and went on himself. Yet was the bear not inclined to fight, for he turned away and made off slowly over the ice. This we saw from the rocks of the shore, and the bear came toward us, and after him Kish, very much unafraid. And he shouted harsh words after the bear, and waved his arms about, and made much noise. Then did the bear grow angry, and rise up on his hind legs and growl. But Kish walked right up to the bear. Aye, Bim continued the story, right up to the bear Kish walked. And the bear took after him, and Kish ran away. But as he ran, he dropped a little round ball on the ice. And the bear stopped and smelled of it, then swallowed it up. And Kish continued to run away and drop little round balls. And the bear continued to swallow them up. Exclamations and cries of doubt were being made, and Ugluck expressed open unbelief. With our own eyes we saw it, Bim affirmed. And Bon, I, with our own eyes. And this continued until the bear stood suddenly upright and cried aloud in pain and thrashed his forepaws madly about. And Kish continued to make off over the ice to a safe distance. But the bear gave him no notice, being occupied with the misfortune the little round balls had wrought within him. Aye, within him, Bim interrupted, for he did claw at himself and leap about over the ice like a playful puppy, save from the way he growled and squealed. It was plain, it was not play, but pain. Never did I see such a sight. Nay, never was such a sight seen, Bon took up the strain. And furthermore, it was such a large bear. Witchcraft, a gluck suggested. I know not, Bon replied. I tell only of what my eyes beheld. And after a while the bear grew weak and tired, for he was very heavy, and he had jumped about with exceeding violence. 
and he went off along the shore ice, shaking his head slowly from side to side, and sitting down ever and again to squeal and cry. And Kish followed after the bear, and we followed after Kish, and for that day and three days more we followed. The bear grew weak and never ceased crying from his pain. It was a charm, Ugluck exclaimed. Surely it was a charm. It may well be. And Bim relieved Bon. The bear wandered, now this way and now that, doubling back and forth and crossing his trail in circles, so that at the end he was near where Kish had first come upon him. By this time he was quite sick, the bear, and could crawl no farther. So Kish came up close and speared him to death. And then, Klosh Kwan demanded, then we left Kish skinning the bear and came running that the news of the killing might be told. And in the afternoon of that day, the women hauled in the meat of the bear while the men sat in council assembled. When Kish arrived, a messenger was sent to him, bidding him come to the council. But he sent replies, saying that he was hungry and tired, also that his igloo was large and comfortable and could hold many men. And curiosity was so strong on the men that the whole council, Klosh Kwan to the fore, rose up and went to the igloo of Kish. He was eating, but he received them with respect and seated them according to their rank. Aikiga was proud and embarrassed by turns, but Kish was quite composed. Klosh Kwan recited the information brought him by Bim and Bon, and at its close said in a stern voice, so, explanation is wanted, O Kish, of thy manner of hunting. Is there witchcraft in it? Kish looked up and smiled. Nay, O Klashquan, it is not for a boy to know aught of witches, and of witches I know nothing. I have but devised a means whereby I may kill the ice bear with ease, that is all. It be headcraft, not witchcraft. And may any man? Any man. There was a long silence. The men looked in one another's faces, and Kish went on eating. And wilt thou tell us, O Kish? Kloshquan finally asked in a tremulous voice. Yea, I will tell thee. Kish finished sucking a marrow bone and rose to his feet. It is quite simple. Behold. He picked up a thin strip of whalebone and showed it to them. The ends were sharp as needle points. The strip he coiled carefully till it disappeared in his hand. Then, suddenly releasing it, it sprang straight again. He picked up a piece of blubber. So, he said, one takes a small chunk of blubber thus, and thus makes it hollow. Then into the hollow goes the whalebone, so, tightly coiled. And another piece of blubber is fitted over the whalebone. After that it is put outside where it freezes into a little round ball. The bear swallows the little round ball, the blubber melts, the whalebone with its sharp ends stands out straight, the bear gets sick, and when the bear is very sick, why, you kill him with a spear. It is quite simple. And Ugluck said, Oh! And Kloshquan said, Ah! And each said something after his own manner, and all understood. And this is the story of Kish, who lived long ago on the rim of the polar sea. 
because he exercised headcraft and not witchcraft, he rose from the meanest igloo to be head man of his village. And through all the years that he lived, it is related, his tribe was prosperous, and neither widow nor weak one cried aloud in the night because there was no meat. If you enjoyed this story, don't forget to rate or review Morning Short 5 Stars on iTunes so more listeners can find our stories. We can only do these with your help. Support for Morning Short comes from Strikingly.com. We became big fans after spinning up our site on Strikingly. It's just so easy to use. If you need a beautiful website for your portfolio or startup idea or your business, big or small, you need to check out Strikingly. You don't need any tech or design skills. Hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs and creatives have already launched their sites with Strikingly. So start yours at strikingly.com. You can do it for free. Then use the exclusive code MORNINGSHORT for 15% off when you upgrade to Pro. Learn more about the Morning Short Project and sign up for our daily emails at morningshort.com. <laughs>